0: Hello and welcome to the 3T RPG Podcast. My name is Forgotten Moon, but obviously my birth name is Harrison Hunt. And with me is Satanic Countess, also known as Nick Lamley. And, of course, we've got Bestial Ritual, who you know as James Clark. Say so mm. hi, guys. Hi.
1: Hi. <laughs> Feast your ritual.
0: So th- I put your I put these guys' names through a black metal name generator. But uh, uh, this is a show all about tabletop RPGs, and we've got all our usual RPG segments, such as feedback, news punch, what you've been slaying, and your electro letters. But for this week's main subject. We're going to go for something a bit different. Yes! Um, yes, it's, we're gonna go, yes! We're going RPG... Yes! yes.
1: <laughs> we're going RPG...
0: <laughs> well, we've got it out of our system. We're going to go RPG adjacent this week by jumping into the strange world of Dungeon synth <laughs> So hold hold on to your cloaks, ladies and gentlemen, because it's going to be a wild ride. Oh, oh Sh- yeah. Should we do some speed back? Oh, yes. Speed- Please <laughs> do. <laughs> Jay Coppers who feeds our back and he says I enjoyed the last couple of shows especially the history of Hackmaster which though I have been aware of on the periphery of my RPG knowledge for years never looked up close or in detail on. Meanwhile, your take on Western gunfights was a nice delve into the early days of the evolution of RPGs from their wargaming roots. Perhaps you gents shall become RPG archaeologists and go globe-trotting, uh, go on globe-trotting adventures punching neo-Nazis in the face as you quest to uncover more secrets of RPG history. Oh my yes, God. please. Also, Many congratulations to the Hunt family on the pending child. Harrison, (laughs) I recommend you take a level in the dad character class. Finally, read in best cheesy Alan Rickman voice you can muster. There can never be enough Alan Rickman bits. For from beyond the grave or otherwise, he has the best nonplussed tone of apathy for any situation.
2: (laughs) Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, I want to be an RPG archaeologist so bad now. Because we can make those, you know, those like sort of documentary
0: type YouTube series that have happened recently where they'll have some dumb quest and then they'll mm. sort of document getting there, buying ticket. I saw one the other day of a guy, uh, this guy called Nick Robinson actually makes really great videos where he tries to attend a uh, coin convention without <laughs> touching a single coin. Oh, my God. <laughs> did he no did or succeed or is that a spoiler? he well i won't i won't spoil it but it is actually quite funny because he was trying to replicate you know people do like no coin runs of super mario in real life uh, not in real life on the video games and so he was trying to do that in real life <laughs> but yeah and I, I would love to do something like that with an rpg like maybe we go on a like a big journey to get the first ever copy of western gunfight or something oh that'd be, be fun. fucking great yeah or it, Maybe we should just rip off that guy's idea and attend an RPG convention, but try to not engage in a single conversation about RPGs. <laughs> 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 that would be fucking, <laughs> just talk, just talk about about, deadly, absolutely that, that would. Talk about marbles. Somebody comes up to you and you'd
3: just be like, so marbles, eh? Yeah. What a sport.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love marbles. <laughs>
3: I love the there way so they shine. so many jokes. I think you're in the wrong convention. <laughs>
0: Uh, no mate, I think you're in the wrong convection <laughs> What convection? Convection So obviously like recently we've been talking about nicking stuff from pubs And from Starbucks and Chinese restaurants and all of this Daniel you know, when he's graced us with another email about his uh, uh, theft His <laughs> escapades he says, well since you asked We did once steal a chair from a pub Although only because my mate Oddjob had sat on it and broke Right. And had sat on it, and it broke. <coughs> the bar staff hadn't noticed, so we had to break the rest up and sneak it out in pieces, like something from the Great Escape. Odd Job was not pleased.
2: <laughs> oh dear! Oh no! So they it, just got rid of the evidence. They didn't actually thieve it to uh, keep it. They were
0: like, round the corner in a pub, Qu- quick, let's smash this chair up. They can't know. Here, put this leg down your trouser leg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's also like peak tough guy's Britishness here because he's got a mate yeah. called Odd Job. It's always like, yeah, no, I love that. It's always like, it's shows uh, Barry coming, Barry the nonce, his fingers coming. What about Chinese Alan? <laughs> what about Sydney? Odd- <laughs> <laughs> Odd jobs fucking cutting a chair off. Quick, <laughs> smash it up. Yeah, I mean, get rid of the evidence. Well, in Great Escape, for those that haven't seen it, they're digging a tunnel, and what they do is they, they put the bits of gravel from the tunnel to escape from this prisoner of war camp in their pockets and sort of scatter it around the yard kind of thing. Yep. Um, every day. So if he's saying he did this Great Escape style, so they obviously smashed up the chair and then. Went out through a tunnel. I hope so. Pub landlord comes in. He's like, he's like, what the fuck is this hole doing
3: there? Where's that chair gone? Yeah.
0: Where's that chair? Gone? <laughs> There's bits of wood all in the car park. What the fuck is going on? <laughs>
1: what
3: are they saying matches out the back, and then suddenly Daniel Owen, an odd job, go over the fucking fence on a motorbike, laughing <laughs> 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 with a pint in with a pint in their hand. <laughs> People
0: that have seen Great Escape will have found that very funny. Just to yeah. let you know. Um, <laughs> all right. That is it for feedback this time. Send in more theft emails and any feedback you have to uh, 3trpgpod at gmail.com or on the facey B. Should we do some news?
2: News lunch. (laughs) Please.
0: It's been a really slow news week, right? I mean, <laughs> r- really slow. I don't know what. Look, for, for Christ's sake, like something happen out there, all right? Because this is this is probably the worst news story we've ever had. WizKids Kids announces, t- oh, no. <laughs> announces. Oh dear. no! You're so announces. How dare you? are so announces. I'm so tired, man. Okay, WizKids Kids announces largest Tiamat miniature ever. Oh.
3: Um. <laughs> I know.
0: I know. All right. Just carry on listening, please. Listen. I know it's a bad one. So, um, Tiamat, I can't even bring myself to get enthused about this. But basically, this is a three-headed dragon, okay? And oh. it's the the main characters in the D&D cartoon famously fight it in the first episode, which is hilarious. But uh, So, WizGids, they do the uh, D&D official miniatures, and they're making a big mini. That is basically oh. the story. It's a foot high and priced that now this is the bit that I sort of thought was maybe worth discussing a little bit because all they've put on their website is it's priced under
3: $400 right? 399.99 yeah exactly exactly and you know what that's too much is it it? under 400 is, is, is the word under $400 meant to be a good thing when you're talking about minis
0: I could buy a
3: PlayStation Five for that amount of money. That's what I a There's I... not a mini at that size. It's a biggie. It's a massive e. It's a huge e. Yeah, it is. It's, you can you imagine the can you imagine the salesman trying to pitch it? And he's like, "Look, mate, look." But what thing you got to remember is, it's under it's under four hundred dollars.
0: Yeah, but it's three ninety
3: nine ninety nine ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's
0: not, no 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 no. That's where you're wrong. That's under four hundred dollars. And you get a lot of bang for your buck.
3: Would you like to get accidental damage cover for this? So I've
0: just typed in three three-headed dragon into Google and gone to the shopping, right? And you can get cool. a toy dragon that's yep. a comparable size with three mm-hmm. heads for twenty-three pounds. Well, wow! Well. So you know, just don't bother. When this comes out, if you're bo- if you're spending
2: four hundred quid on that, you have got more money than sense. Yeah. And give me some. Give us some. <laughs> give us some money. So we can be RPG archaeologists. That's all we want to be. Yeah, yeah. I just like need
0: one of them little brushes, <laughs> so when I'm digging stuff up, I can brush the dust off it. They're, Ooh, they're about four hundred dollars for a good one. Anyway, if you want horse hair, well, under four hundred. Under four hundred. Under four hundred. <laughs> so um, yeah, that is it for news. Sorry, everyone. Uh, I might cut all of that, but please, right, please let's, let's get into what you slaying, shall we, and talk about what we've been playing. Yeah. So uh, yeah obviously our tough guys campaign has been continuing, Um, the last time we left this uh, off, this basically for those that don't know is a British gangster setting for Savage Worlds, and uh, yeah where last we left off the guys were tasked with planning a stag do for their boss who is a leader of a gang called the Holloway Firm um because he was getting married and yeah the next session what we did is we played through the wedding but uh, unbeknownst to the to the to the gangsters and the players, their chip shop from which they sell drugs had been smashed up, their drugs taken and so at the same time where two of them two of the players had to attend the wedding two of the other players went after the guy that had stolen their drugs hoping to get it and still attend the wedding because here's the thing. It says in the wise guy's rule book that it, with these gangsters, if the boss tells you to be somewhere, it doesn't matter if your wife is giving birth, if you're in the operating theatre getting open heart surgery, you've got to be where the boss tells you. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Nick, your character, who's a area boss called Mickey Jackpot Dugger, he went to the wedding taking James, your character Sydney, with him. And uh, I mean, the thing is, is that it went, it went pretty okay. Um, I mean, we can keep this kind of brief, but the only real big thing that happened was obviously you two went and got suits and got a limo. Yeah. But you realised that kind of, that that a wedding is a prime location to be jumped by other gangs. So obviously you needed to get Sydney a weapon but you mm-hmm. didn't want to stop for too long. So no. wedding was in Richmond Park. And what, how did you go about getting a weapon? Tell me about well, that.
3: Well, as we was cruising through Richmond Park in our limo, we we spied a um, lovely little game of cricket going on. So, you know, <laughs> what other gangster would, <laughs> you know, what, what else would you do? You'd get out of your car and go and have a chat with the batsman <laughs> and pinch his bat. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is well, that about was the plan, that, right? anyway. is that
0: Nick is a he's a darts player and he's got the darts player edge, which allows you basically to ignore um, two points of multi-action penalty. So, mm-hmm. essentially, what it means is you can chuck two darts per attack. But the funny thing is, is that is that when you went to go and steal this guy's bat, Nick was very clear. It's like I'm chucking at his foot. You know, I'm not going. I'm not going mental here. I'm throwing at his foot. But he throws a couple of darts. They hit the cricket player in the foot. <laughs> and the, and then he dies from the wounds because it just it went exploded over and over again. Aced <laughs> off such 27 high damage. He really? hit <laughs>
2: a severe artery. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. Carotid and he hit a severe artery. artery but
0: the <laughs> yeah. funny thing about that is, is that I when was while I was writing the Tough Guys book and Nick, you basically came up with all the weapons for the book. I was like, I really mm-hmm. want darts to be strength plus D four. And Eric, who wrote Wise Guys, was like. Fucking shurikens are strength plus two, right? So they, I mean that's ridiculous. I was adamant. I was like, no, it would be more fun if they're strength plus D four. And they are. And it has resulted in quite a few accidental killings. So yes. maybe I was maybe I was wrong about that. But I still think it's quite fun just oh, to keep it away. Because the amount of time is Mickey's on like, I'm just gonna disable him. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill him. Oh dear. I dead <laughs> but oh, then fuck. on the
3: other side of that, it's just like I'm just I'm just I'm just going to try and I'm just going to try and throw a dart at that emergency exit button, or I'm just going to just going to sling one little dart at this switch. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, so good. Because I use his
0: darts to do everything. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so what in the end they had to pay off the limo guy to store the body in their car till the end of the wedding. Mm. Sydney, your James, your character Sydney got rid of the body while the wedding was going on. Nick, well, he's in our employ now. The
3: um, the limo. I think I think the limo, the limo guy had seen so much. That in the end we had to we yeah, had, make had him to make an offer we couldn't on. refuse really because yeah buy him on exactly because there was there was you know shut up money but I think he was in too deep
1: the, yeah
0: there was there's there's shut up money and there's this guy's seen way too much yes. if he has a flashback in a past, <laughs> and everyone finds out you know I mean and it, it, essentially long story short we did a dramatic task where Nick's character basically a five round skill challenge to do a best man speech and it went really well thought. <laughs> yeah, was kind of funny about the way that we did it was that i kind of just said instead of doing the whole speech on what you're saying each round we'll just cut into like the end of a punchline, line and i will <laughs> yeah. be like okay what did you get okay you got a roll with two raises so what, what's the what's the punch line here and he's like and then he filled it full of gravel and fucked off and the whole the whole <laughs> party's like cracking up <laughs>
1: yeah. man that was fun it was good and- yeah
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, so they they did get jumped at the wedding, the Forest Mm -hmm. Gate Gang, um, who are basically their main rivals at the moment. um, They kind of um, intercepted the wedding, killed all the waiters and replaced them and put a bomb in the wedding cake. So just as these guys' boss was about to cut the cake, Nick notices a wire, throws a dart to hit the knife out of his boss's hand. Mm -hmm. And in Sydney, James, your character, Sydney, jumped forward with... uh, with his knife try with the cricket pad trying to attack the Forest Gate Gang but Nick just ended the fight in one fell swoop by picking up the cake and lobbing it like a throw-in at a football game
1: <laughs> yes, fucking so good. Yeah.
0: and yeah like some guests were dead but you know that's some, just collateral no. damage I mean the, the yeah, yeah. Forest Gate Gang got obliterated <laughs> Uh, just that image of somebody throwing a cake like that, it's just amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> the great thing about all of this, though, is that at the same time, basically the two muscles of the group, so there's a South African mercenary called Payne and uh, a hooligan called Mo Exotic. They've gone to track down the coke and track down this guy, uh, apparently this guy that looked like a Viking that, mm-hmm. that stole their coke, went to track him down in Brighton. And go to his restaurant, and they took this, basically borrowed a sandwich van that was shaped like a sandwich, and went to go and get it. And oh the, the basically the Viking had set up this little video player that said, you know, a shipment of PlayStation Ones is coming into town. Um, uh, is is going into London via the M25. And we want those delivered to us in the Elv Warehouse by 3 o'clock. So, Q, probably one of the longest chase scenes that's ever happened. But it was so exciting, where <laughs> these guys were chasing an Argos van full of Playstations down the uh, down the motorway, trying to knock it off and steal the Playstations to get their coke back. And also, you know, James's character's Nan had been kidnapped. So, you know, they're flinging it down the motorway. Then the police get involved and one of the guys is in the back throwing large tubs of Happy Shopper mayonnaise at the police <laughs> yeah, while the other one's shop. trying to ram the Argos van off the road. <laughs> yep.
2: It was, f- it was fucking insane.
0: It was. I mean, Not that, they, it was the,
2: the car was shaped uh, like a sandwich. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So it
0: made <laughs> the, everything just that little bit more ridiculous. Yeah. But you know why the car was shaped like a sandwich was because... One of these guys' employees, this guy called Keegan, he owns a business where he goes around in a van and he sells sandwiches, right? And there was just a point where he was like, you know, you guys couldn't borrow my van. And James, you just went, "Bro, that van's shaped like a sandwich. And I was just <laughs> like, okay, that's canon. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh what was God. great as well is like at one point they were trying to catch up to the Argos van
0: and the Argos fan was actually trying to make the flea maneuver at the time and they knew that they really only had a couple of rounds before that they they could actually catch up with this fucking van so in the end like at one point M- Mo Exotic the hooligan he was just jettisoning sandwich yep. equipment out the yep. back to speed the fucking sandwich up <laughs> It worked out in the end. They got the PlayStations, but uh, unfortunately, when they brought them to the old warehouse, the police had followed them there, ending up in one of the characters being arrested, one of them getting away, and then coming back later to fight the Viking. But unfortunately, the PlayStations were gone. Sydney's Nan was still kidnapped and all of this shit. And uh, the very last thing that happened, really was that they had discovered that Sydney's Nan's place had been set up with bombs and uh, when they went to go and recover her from being kidnapped she was blown to smithereens along with her flat and now they're seeking out the Forest Gate gang leader to get revenge. So that's kind of where we're at.
3: Yeah, but they got yeah. their coat back.
0: They're getting the chippy fixed up. You guys have started a brothel in Dunsford. No, <laughs> cool. we
3: started. We've started work on renovating it first, with the help of Giovanni Tagliatelle. Right,
0: and just for anyone listening that thinks that I'm racist because I put Giovanni Tagliatelle in my game, there's a rule in Wise Guys where you can you can use a Benny to use a criminal underworld contact and Nick wanted a cheap cowboy builder and I, and th- the thing is the players get to make up the details about him and I'm like okay mm-hmm. you want an Italian builder what's his name and you're like Giovanni and then somebody went Tagliatelli. and yeah. it's like mm-hmm. it, it's like so it wasn't so me cause it's I like, went
3: with the cool name I was like we got to have an Italian dude you know he's got style it's got to be like you know we want it done up well and it's like an interior designer for the mob <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we exactly you wanted it to look so classy <laughs> yeah
0: well, yeah, because it was like, and it's, it's like, imagine if you went like, I don't know, we want an Indian contact and he's called Ramesh Curry. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's so bad. I know. And I was just like, you know what? But fuck it. And it was also, they found out their new driver that they got at the wedding his name was also Sydney, the same as James's character. So <laughs> Nick was like, oh, no, we can't have that. We've got to give you like, a lot of nickname or something. And the guy's coming up with all sorts of cool names. He's like, what about Slazinger? What about Max Power? And he's like, I think we'll call you Kirk. And he's like, Kirk, I like that. Smudgely. <laughs> what does it always have to be something weird at the end? <laughs> <laughs> So now he goes by the name of Kirk
2: Smudgley. Yep. We <laughs> probably end up calling him Smudge. You're, you're yeah, so probably. good at
0: strange character names, Nick. It's like <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the amount that you're belting out, you're you like, what about Rob Blobson? <laughs> what about <laughs> Rob...
3: <laughs> <laughs> It's just stupid. I love words. I just love stupid words.
0: Yeah, same here. I, uh, it, it's like, so yeah, that's where we've left it. So we've got a brothel business being built up. You're getting the chip shop renovated. You've got your product built. Back and yeah, Sydney's Nan is unfortunately. Oh, don't forget dead. the
3: last bit. Yeah, we're about to storm the Brixton Academy.
0: In in Wise Guys, you kind of each character has to have a redeeming characteristic. That's kind of a setting role, and so it also anchors the players kind of to the real world as well. So when. Their families sort of get involved, and James, your character, you know, his thing was that he's he's really nice to his nan, he looks yeah. after her,
2: things like this. So he's and gone now a she's bit, been killed. Um, so he's gone batshit crazy. He had a really depressive moment that actually the guys at the table as as players just went, oh, it's actually a bit depressing. <laughs> yeah, so, to sort of skip forwards because I was, I got really into it. I
0: called for a break because I was just like, <laughs> I, people, we're actually getting actually sad here this of is of this, bad, this is bad.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so um the leader of the forest gate gang is in, in the tough guy's book. It's queen sovereign for copyright reasons, but it's uh, lady sovereign. Who's a real life rapper that existed in the nineties. She's 16 years old and she's the leader via money and knowing the right people, things like this. So yeah, they've, um, they sort of stormed bricks Academy where she's playing a gig that night and they're going to, uh, they're going to beat her up. And the, where we left the last game, we got Sydney, you, you stormed the stage uh, another character no yeah one of these is in a box one's in a, a box on the opposite side one stormed the stage and uh, they all tooled up they've got weapons coming out the wazoo and someone's, they're gonna got
3: fucking try and ne- someone's got a toilet stuck on their foot
0: that was embarrassing. I mean mm. the the problem was is that one of the characters he, he wanted to he wanted to get a security guard's uniform so he could get unprecedented access to the backstage and stuff, right? So he, fo- he waited till a security guard went to the loo, followed him in, and then he was gonna stand on the toilet in his booth and just come smashing down on the guy on the other side, like hit him with a cistern lid or something. And the unfortunate thing is, is he was getting up on, on the loo and then he said, right, and I'm just going to pull myself up gently and look over to see if he's in a good attachment position. And uh, obviously I go, okay, roll strength just to pull yourself up. Yeah. He, re- he gets a crit fail yeah. and I'm like, okay, your foot goes through the toilet and the guy in the other cubicle, the security guard's laughing at him. Mick, uh, Nick's character comes in and like, how'd you get your fucking foot stuck in a U-bend? And Mo's like, just shut up, you cunt, just get me out. <laughs> do you know what it reminded me of have you seen that video of the builder who was obviously riding in the back with all the paint
3: oh no um,
0: he's like riding in the back of a, a van with all the paint and they can hear him raging they open the door he's covered from head to toe in white paint and he's he's trying, he can't move because he keeps sliding along with all this paint his mates are like I've really taking the piss out of him they're, they're like what have you done, This paint everyone!" and he's like shut up you can't." <laughs> what are you doing John <laughs> <laughs> what the you Look
4: at the wingy up there. Like. <laughs> <laughs> what
1: are
0: you fucking gagging that cunt? There you go. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Man covered in paint,
3: back of van, explicit. <laughs> I'll, I'll just. Oh, you know what? That we, picture needs to I'll go in it, the show notes. <laughs> Yeah, we'll. we'll do, you know, I might just
0: set the episode as that picture, just to fucking freak people out.
2: Oh. <laughs> so I'm just looking at.
3: That's hurt me. Oh dear. <laughs> Have you
2: seen okay, the Goonies? He think... looks
3: a bit like that guy. <laughs>
2: He actually does, yeah. Because like, he's got only one half of his face covered in paint. Mate, absolute hyenas oh. laughing at him as well.
1: It's, uh, I
0: feel oh. quite bad for him. But, you know, at
2: the end, they close the door
0: on again, <laughs> well, and well again. Just leave like, him in there. I well. fixing that mess. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shut oh. up. We'll put right. That, I'll put that in as a jingle Sorry. here just cut this
2: bit yeah. out. You need to, you that's, need to put that's right. the bit of the jingle is, it's gone all over my fucking fishing gear, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's classic. <laughs> So that is it for
0: what we've been what we've been slaying this week. Shall we do the Spain suspect? Uh, the main <laughs> subject.
3: <laughs> the Spain <laughs> suspect. Spain suspect. <laughs>
0: So uh, whenever you're playing a game with, let's face it, awkward nerds, there could often be a pause in the action where a player thinks about his character's next move and rather than sit in the thick atmosphere of an awkward autistic pause, you instead decide to bathe in the rich textures of some good tunes. Mm. I'm trying to get a job on Radio 4 here by <laughs> the way. <laughs> um, Our choice for game night music has often been the dungeon synth genre, a a sub-genre of dark ambient music rooted in Tolkien, Dragonlance, and medieval themes. But what the fuck is even a dungeon synth? Where do I start? Can dungeon synth be used as a wall insulation? All of these questions and more will be answered today as we take a deep dive into the most niche of the niche music genre since... Double speed doom jazz. <laughs> Real genre, by the way. Oh, let's listen to that. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about... We're actually going to do something different today and talk about so we'll talk about a niche musical genre that actually is rooted in RPGs and things like this, but not. It's, we're not really talking about an RPG. And we're going to build to something. This is going to be a two-part episode, so it's going to be this one and the next one that are going to be kind of about similar subjects. I think... I think the listeners will find this interesting because it's so weird and so niche and actually has quite a lot of funny and amusing history behind it. So I think think it'll be good. And, And, you know, we've all been listening to a lot of it over the last couple of weeks, doing our little bit of homework. We're going to kind of go through, like, how... It was made. We're going to talk about how it is now, and some of the sort of outliers and decent projects, as well as some of the worst and the dramas on the Facebooks. <laughs> so it, it, it should be it should be a good laugh. I, I hope so. Anyway, of course it will. So we've talked about the black metal scene before, where we reviewed uh, Var- Varg Vikernes' book *Mifarog*. Uh, We're going to talk about it a bit again today because Dungeon Synth is really born from two things. The first being dark ambient music, and the second being the second wave of Norwegian black metal. The one with all the church burnings and the stabbings and the the Norwegian kids who were really annoyed because the Norwegian life was too nice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so as you may recall, listeners... The second wave of black metal included such cracking bands as Mayhem, Burzum, Dark Throne to name a few, but the music therein was basically characterized by low production values, dark imagery, shrieking vocals and bizarre over the top live shows. I mean, for example, the the mayhem used to, you know, cut themselves on stage. They used to go and get goats' heads from restaurants and chuck them into the crowd. Mm. They would often say like like really grand things like, "Tonight will be my masterpiece." You're playing to twelve people. <laughs> <laughs> <brilliant>. So <clears throat> that kind of and and you know they were they were teenagers and it is really a thing that they thought Norwegian life and how well their government looked after you know these people at the time it was too comfortable and people needed to be reminded of real life so they gave it to them in the form of angry music and Mm. goat heads another staple of the uh, uh, genre however other than chucking goat heads into an audience of six people and a dog (laughs) was having these really cheaply produced orchestral intros on their albums and one of the first notable examples being Sylvester and Fang and I'm sure Sylvester means something it's not the Looney Tunes character they're talking about here oh okay yeah and this is by Mayhem and it's on their debut cassette Death Crush and it sounds a bit like this
2: I wrote my notes when I was listening to everything. So I just wrote, ha, 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 ha. I remember my first time using a MIDI making program.
0: Yeah, exactly. It sounds like as well, they've they've got a MIDI program and they've only managed to find the timpani instrument. I mean, (laughs) it really is rubbish, isn't it? it? It kind of paved the way for these orchestral intros, but they only use one instrument. And you know, the fun story about this, I can't actually remember who it was, but Mayhem at the time, obviously they're all teenagers, they're doing this on a budget, and the legend goes is that they... Like bothered some German music producer because they didn't have computers with which to do this so they just bothered some German guy that made like you know techno or something said if you've got any like weird shit on your hard drive you know song that you haven't released that we can just have and eventually gave in and sent them that and I think he's the one that had the last laugh really because it's really bad
2: yeah. I said um, I, was, I actually thought that in all seriousness there's, there is a moment of it if it had a drop to it and then it sort of it changed from the timbre and sounds that are being used. You know what I mean? Then it could actually. What I find work funny is that in some the way. way
0: they've yeah exactly. But the way they've used it sounds so unrealistic. And like yeah. you know the bit where it goes. the bit I just the guy, they've to. They've just got a row of timpanis and the guy's running down it just just holding the stick in one hand. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's also, it's, it's like so a marching it, band,
2: doesn't it? It's one of those it's a kids marching band that's like you know those proper cheap plastic toys that's <laughs> yeah. What it is. yeah 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 yeah. Like, like,
0: yeah That's exactly what it is It's like they didn't, they couldn't afford drums so they've all got like a, one of the kids plastic toy yeah. keyboards with the timpani setting on it <laughs> Yeah it's pretty bad and this is kind of not relevant, but one funny thing as well is that with that that debut EP, uh, EP or album, whatever you want to call it, that, that Mayhem bought out called Death Crush, right? They got all the labels for their cassettes printed up and they had, you know, satanic imagery and they were supposed to be a nice bright red colour. But when they got them back from the printers, they were actually pink by accident. So they ended up having to, they, they couldn't afford to get more printed. So they bought red pens and filled the whole um, cassette tapes in red instead. Oh, wow. oh my. Just I like just God. think it's hilarious because imagine being like the first ever satanic you know black metal band and just being like
2: we have a Maybe. pink cassette it is um,
0: pink like Satan I reckon they did it on purpose to
2: print and press <laughs> to
0: take the piss out of them yeah, yeah. just be like
2: oh black metal make it pink <laughs>
0: <laughs> got it <laughs> anyway we all know how the Norwegian black metal scene eventually ended up right with the stabbings the church burnings but I mean the way those young men were carrying on somebody was going to get hurt well, somebody did. Somebody got murdered. But, um, if you want to hear the whole dirty story, go back and listen to the uh, Mithrilog episode. But when people talk about the second wave of the black metal scene, they often talk about Mayhem, Burzum, and things like this. But there was a band called Emperor who existed around the same time, whose involvement on the whole scene was like slightly more peripheral. They weren't in like the main. Well, what was actually called the Black Circle Ooh. at the time. And Emperor sound a bit like this. I quite like that. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind it either. I mean, it is like badly produced, but I think it's pretty good. And I really like the little little vocal shriekings uh, they y- do in yeah, there. Was, yeah. To, to to be perfectly honest, that type of vocal talent, like it wasn't the norm at the time. There was one guy called Dead who was doing what we now think of as uh, black metal vocals, but no, the screaming wasn't really a thing like straight away and even on like one of Mayhem's albums you can hear one of the vocals guys was like trying to do something a bit different a guy called Attila I think his name was and he was just uh, talking like this (laughs) and and that was the (laughs) and the funny thing is is that there's a bit where he's trying to be all dark and he goes in Transylvania and it's just like mate (laughs) we (laughs) but yeah that's Emperor and um, Hmm. this uh, group of young go-getters was formed in 1991 and consisted of three members to begin with isan samoth and a bloke called mortis Ooh. now as a school as any school-age rebellious bands that play up to 12 people and i often do emperor had some disagreements and mortis ended up leaving the band in 1993 i mean on his band ca- on his bandcamp page it says something like got kicked out of emperor because the regime don't like it man <laughs> But okay. I reckon it was probably a disagreement about whether a song should be about nun dismemberment or priest defilement, you mm, know, something mm-hmm, like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But this young lad, Mortis, he had a dream. He was to be a successful musician no matter what. And he left his hometown with, uh, a, a, you know, one of those little. Tied packages on the end of a stick, cut over his back, (laughs) and and a dream in his heart, you know. But then he sort of realised that he didn't have any money, so he went back to his town and uh, started making music in his bedroom. (laughs) And his experience being in a band left him with a sour taste in his mouth, so he decided to do everything by himself at this point and started producing music using only his cheap Roland keyboard. And in his book, Mortis says that his main inspiration was the musician Tangerine Dream, who used to make tracks that lasted up to an hour and had a dark sort of melancholy to them. And they sounded like this.
2: I fucking loved Tangerine Me too. um, Yeah, me too, man. It reminded me... It gave me some Pink Floyd vibes.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and I think that like the atmosphere Ominous, and the evolution of yeah. sounds, like and the feel that it provided like a real nice journey. It's very good. I enjoyed um, it as well. Properly loved it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's absolutely cracking music. And, uh, yeah, you the The funny thing is, is obviously, before we continue, I am actually I am actually a fan of Dungeon Synth. We're going to talk about what we don't like about it later. But Tangerine Dream was actually used um, quite a lot in an episode of Black Mirror. I think it was the one where you could play what was going on.
2: Oh, right, um, yeah. you got to make the oh, choices. The Bandersnatch.
0: Right, and uh, in that, he picks up a Tangerine Dream record while he's in a record store. And Millie, my wife, saw the cover, and she goes, that looks like a t- type of uh, shite you listen to and I was like actually <laughs> yeah, it actually is I've got it <laughs> <laughs> yeah Tangerine Dream is cracking and this really is like the basis the starting point the seed for Dungeon Synth essentially I think it's a beautiful and- seed mm yeah it really it really really is and I, I would I would seek them out but the, the big difference really between Tangerine Dream and Mortis is that Morty Boy didn't really have expensive synthesizers a studio experience with competition talent he by his own admission in his book by the way was young and trying to make music in a way he barely knew that's what he says in his book and so the same year he got booted out from Emperor he came out with his first debut as a solo artist with this uh, a, a song called The Song of a long forgotten ghost Yep
2: I, I, I was like I said uh, My comments I was like This is far too repetitive Yeah um, like, I, fi- I finally got happy When something different Happened at 5 minutes 45 So Um, yeah this song the clip you've just heard is about
0: 50 minutes long and just cycles through the three same riffs over and over again so that one you heard if you could stomach an hour of that over and over again (laughs) you know because Tangerine Dream stuff that he was inspired by it is repetitive but the thing is it's much
2: more low key it's not as Like it doesn't have. Well, it evolves better. Yeah, yeah. Like it actually moves through the motions and the repetitive parts way better. Yeah. So, whereas that was just like just the same thing again and again and again. And I only accidentally listened to that for 15 minutes long because I was doing the laundry, so my hands were occupied. I was kind of (laughs) gutted because I used to actually I got rid of them recently, but I used
0: to collect you know dungeon synth albums and actually buy physical media. Um, and I got this one, right? And I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be amazing. It's like Mortis's first work, you know? And I was so fucking disappointed. I could I could only stomach about 10 minutes of it. It's pretty bad. <laughs> but then the thing about it is is that he himself says that he doesn't like it and that he, at the time, didn't have any talent for composition. But this, um, song, song of a long, long Forgotten Ghost, is basically the first ever dungeon synth ever. It's primitive and not actually very good, but it was here that the genre was born. And... Yeah, and Mortis ex- explained in his book that what he was trying to tempt with the demo was the same type of atmosphere as Tangerine Dream which he didn't really achieve but with liberally, liberally applied blobs of black metal imagery with a few sprinkles of Tolkien and of course your boy Dragonlance which he was a big <laughs> fan of. And to put it this way, the easiest way to describe Dungeon Synth now is that it's basically albums filled with just the orchestral intro tracks from black metal groups, and that was what he kind of did, although not well at this point. Mm. But while Mortis mm. was achieving some local appreciation and selling this self-published cassette tape, another pretty large component of popularising the genre was through everybody's favourite murderer, Varg Vikernes, who whose project Burzum was flung into notoriety after the Norwegian church burnings, and of course Varg's murder of his band member, Euronymous. You see, Bursum introduced the rather wacky idea of having synths in black metal albums, shown here in his 1993 album, Det som engang var, and I'm so sorry for the (laughs) pronunciation there. You get the picture, mm hmm. So, yeah, obviously, a lot of black metal albums at the time included these synth tracks at the beginning serving as an intro. But what Vonk is, he, I mean, this is and you, this is gonna blow your mind the level of genius, right? Because <laughs> he put it in the middle, oh. oh, he put it in the middle. Okay, I'll just give you guys a little bit <laughs> you know, of time to take in that in, middle. right? Because, I mean, f- f- whoa, wow. wow. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so but, but what this means really though is that it features as a mainstay song, not just an intro. It's kind of an interlude, but yeah. So in a strange sort of roundabout way, Mortis invented the genre but became a little bit more accepted when Burzum further popularised it. Because, you know, at the time, Burzum was King Shit of Fuck Mountain. Mm. People thought he was cool. People were doing church burnings in his name. People were stabbing people just for a laugh, you know. And, yeah, so he kind of popularised it. And so Mortis and Burzum kind of had this symbiotic relationship where they helped each other grow, but weren't really equated. According to Mm. Vark, he'd met him a couple of times, but... They, yeah, I mean, it's it's just kind of funny how that worked out, and that's really the invention of the genre. Um, we'll take a quick musical break here, then come back to talk about where it went from there. That was the Skulls Speak, creepy by Null. Um, they're, they're an RPG-inspired dungeon synth act who provide the theme for our Morkborg actual play, so we couldn't yes. not give them a shout out here. Absolutely, cracking and stuff. And they, they actually, yeah, they did a uh, one called the Citadel of Evil, which came came with an adventure as well, which is mm. uh, not a very good adventure, but great music um yeah so now we're going to move on to part two of this saga how dungeon synth became what we know it as today so we know where the genre started basically with Burzum and mortis but while Burzum got sent to jail for stabbing his bandmate 23 times in self-defense mortis's career only went from strength to strength we got a record deal with earache records is that a cool name earache
3: oh look at check that out whoa
0: whoa These this just too intense whoa. man it's going to give you an earache <laughs> i mean it should be like ear explosion you know <laughs> ear defilement ear yeah. defilement yes Greetings. <laughs> we are ear, ear defilement <laughs> ear crust oh,
2: <laughs> have been called ear crust. Ear crust. ear crust ear crust ear wax we are the gout <laughs> 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 yes
0: and uh yeah so they released a uh the earache records basically he got a deal with them and released a slightly better but still quite boring album called <laughs> um, which basically means born to rule and i think what i did there was racist sorry um <laughs> The al- this album, though, Ferd Tiller Herske is worth a mention solely for the cover, right? And this is some pretty funny shit. It features Mortis... Um, there with a little pointy nose and he's been done up to look like a creepy goblin wearing a helmet and carrying an axe yeah what really makes it right is that he's trying to point like in a commanding manner like go my armies but the photo was obviously taken too close up so he's pointing in like a oh no he didn't sort of manner (laughs)
3: like
0: he's like a sassy goblin right yeah he is and as you can probably guess, guys, this picture gets memes like a, a lot,
3: oh, dear. like a yeah. lot, yeah.
0: And hard, hardcore fans, right, on the fucking on the on the groups, like the Facebook group where the drama happens. The hardcore fans fucking hate it because so many people like will get this picture from the cover and not like, have him pointing and just be like. Uh, like I something like like oh no she didn't or, or shut up bitch or something like that <laughs> better and take then, like, that back <laughs> and th- they hate it and and it got memed and like mortis fucking commented on it and he's, he was like so, can you just take this shit a bit more seriously please and he's he's like really angry about it. Oh, but okay. you can't help <laughs> it's impossible not to think it when you see it yes. i mean it's re- oh yeah really weird really weird um but yeah i i mean whatever you do just Pay, get a decent photographer alright because otherwise you can end up looking like a sassy goblin <laughs> that's my advice but yeah this it's, this it's uh, this album sort of marked the birth of Mortis as a weird <laughs> creature because from this point on he basically began wearing prosthetics and st- makeup to look like a monster thing and yeah. people are like uh, oh, yeah. I, I love the fact that he, massive nose massive nose big pointy ears and like, at the moment he's got it so it looks like his has boy stitched onto his face yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah he, he basically people have said like so what's with the elf makeup and probably in the most <laughs> pretentious thing ever he always says it is not an elf or a goblin it is Mortis oh
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> too spooky five me <laughs> yeah, and now we'll shut up about Mortis in a minute, but he is basically the guy that invented the genre. But the final nail in the dungeon synth puzzle is his next album, which came out in 1994 called Anden Som Gjorde um which basically means the rebellious spirit. And the good thing about this cover is it doesn't have any m- meme potential whatsoever. <laughs> you can't do it. You can't meme it. Whatever. <laughs> As uh, Nick and James have no <laughs> doubt noticed in the show notes, I've provided the, f- the original cover. He actually went and redid it because this one is even more meme-y. Because <laughs> at the top of the, at the top of the CD, it's got his face poking out from like a, sort of two little slats, and he's like, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> like sort of, he looks like he's peering out of it in a creepy way. But underneath it, it's got him sort of. He's he's now he's mastered the point. He's doing a full length arm point from a distance, (laughs) but he's pointing at. It looks like he's pointing at himself coming out the window. And what I found a meme of it where it's the the version of him sort of pointing at the face is saying, "Hey, that me? What's that all about?"
3: (laughs) (laughs) They they should have put a nice little sun border around him, and he would have looked like a, a little goblin sun.
0: That yeah, but that's too That's too We we don't deal with suns in this genre. It's moons, darkness, oh, sorry. and a lot of pointing. Sorry. Twilight. Twilight. Yeah,
3: lots of pointing.
0: That's that's one of the and and also if you've ever watched Dungeons and Live, turning your hand into sort of a claw and raising it up, that is also another key part of the genre. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's probably the best bit. <laughs> it's probably the best bit and claw hands, <laughs> claw hands, weird masks, pe- peering out at people and pointing to yourself. Yeah, and, and you know, the album cover, obviously this one, is probably more memeable than the last one. And as a result, he eventually yeah. changed it and got artwork drawn for it. And you won't remember this, Nick, but I sent a picture of it to the group and you said, uh oh, hag alert and it's like at that point I realised Mortis's makeup, it looks less like a goblin or a troll than it does sort of a bog. It's like a witch. Yeah, like a witch. <laughs> yeah, it witch looks like hag. a witch. Yeah, yeah. I can...
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's exactly like the stereotype of a witch that's what he looks like but yeah, yeah. this the album
3: number three is called broomstick i've
0: got to be honest though this album is a bit of a belter and it, this is pretty much the quintessential dungeon synth sound that everyone has been trying to replicate since this is the one that kind of solidified what the sound was and the genre as a whole probably took more influence from this one album than any other one let's have a listen
3: I love this album.
2: It's really fun.
3: Yeah, it is good.
2: See, I um, I I, at the very beginning and when I was listening to this, I listened to the entire album, uh, tried to listen to every single piece that uh, you gave to us to to listen to. But I kind of had some old western vibes. Yeah,
0: and you know the weird thing is, is that some of the really old dungeon synth artists that were there at the beginning have made western influenced. Dungeon really? yeah, and and it's cracking. The thing about this one is, like, you can tell it's badly produced, but at this point, the composition was way better. The the yeah. point with the genre is really not to look at the composition, uh, the the production because it's never good. But the composition of the song was really good, and also it's like had an epic feel, but while not being was... so over the top that it gets in the way. Like you can still think of it as ambient.
3: Yeah, definitely. That but screams to me adventure, but not like high epic adventure. It's like, not like you know, listening the to the whole where, e- orchestra, you know? Exactly, but that that's definitely, you know, it's got a bit of, uh, it's not as dark, I don't think, but it's definitely got, yeah, it's definitely got that adventure, that exciting adventure kind of feel to it
0: yeah and it contained basically all the elements that became staples in the genre such as the drum sounds being really distant mm-hmm. and not over the top the excessive reverb the yep. widdly strings and they're the like punctuating brass sections but even talk the one thing right and this is a trend that came within this album that i hate <laughs> is um talking over the music with loads of effects on your voice for some reason so that you can't understand what they're saying. In
3: the dark.
0: And the, 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 I, one of the first ones I ever listened to was one called Mourn Lord. Like he's the lord of being sad, right? <laughs> um, and and it's like such a cracking album. But for the whole thing, you can hear him talking. He's putting an effect on his voice to make it really deep. And he's like, he's like, in my kingdom, I will something something army and also swords. And it's like, shut up! I want to listen to the music for fuck's
2: sake. <laughs> You see, I actually thought that, um, although the, the voiceover is very annoying, I don't think it detracted t- t- too much from the feel of the music. Um, but I mean, it definitely could have done without it.
0: Yeah, I agree. In, but in this album, the Rebellious Spirit, Mortis one, I don't think it takes away from it too much because it's kind of subtle and backgroundy. But mm. I have heard ones where the bloke likes the sound of his, mo- his voice more than the music. And it's like,
3: no. oh, yeah, Christ!
2: But you know, they are annoying. It's just like uh, I'm talking over the top. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I might start doing that just with our jingles. I mean, they've already got my <laughs> vocals on it, but I just might be going. <laughs> this is the main <clears throat> subject. Oh, actually, people will notice I've done dungeon synth versions of all of our jingles for this episode, so that's why He's, they sound different. Yes, mate. But yeah, basically every single staple of the genre was cemented in this album, but perhaps more importantly, this record was the first album of his that was put out by a label called Cold Meat Industry. They didn't also Ooh. do meat, it's just a name. <laughs> But these guys basically had a wider reach and were known for putting out a really niche, really avant garde, experimental synthy gothic stuff. So, Mm. and they had an audience. Like at the time, it was like if you were into ambient music, you knew who these guys were. So, that's why this album in particular got like more wide reach, essentially. And Mortis, even though. He can kind of be seen as a lol cow, right, and has spawned a whole genre of memes. He also spawns, you know, the whole genre of music, and it's as detailed and as varied as any other genre out there, and enjoyable as any. And by that I mean there's a lot of toilet ones out there, there's a lot (laughs) of rubbish. So just like any other genre, it's the same here, you have to kind of search out the good ones, and that's going to lead us to the third part of this whole thing, which is the state of of the genre today and the classics. You ready, boys?
3: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, so the current landscape (laughs) of what Mortis calls dark dungeon music, he actually hates the title dungeon synth. He calls it dark dungeon music, which is basically the same. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned, it's quite varied, and there's, there's basically at the moment there's three main categories to the to the genre. There's hundreds, right? Hundreds of subgenres, but there's three main ones. You have the Mortis style, which is called old school dungeon synth, and then there's medieval dungeon synth, which kind of adds in folk elements and is often just called dungeon synth. But then there's some old-school stuff that's just called Dungeon Synth as well, so it's a bit bit muddy there, really. Mm-hmm, the th- mm-hmm. And I'd say the third most popular style is probably the chiptune style, which is basically 8-bit or video game-sounding right, yeah. stuff. Also, the other main one really is Tolkien Synth, but that's just old-school Dungeon Synth, but they've used the Lord of the Rings Wikipedia and clicked a random article to name all their songs, basically, so I don't <laughs> think that really counts as a genre. And we will kind of first up talk about the Mortis style, old school dungeon synth, and we will start by showing you a couple of examples, starting with, I think I'm pronouncing this wrong, Thangodorim, which is a Tolkien-inspired old school act that sounds like this.
2: Album, um, tarn- 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 t- tarn-
0: for Christ's <laughs> yeah, sake, like, one. Dungeon Synth people, name your shit so people can find it, for goodness sake.
1: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this is the one. And I,
0: I, t- I've I, got to be honest, I, I actually really like this one. Me too. But it, it's got a lot of the talking over it, but I, I actually find for some reason it adds to it here, despite the fact you it's can't the understand effect, the yeah. word. It's the
3: effect, and you can't hear really what he's saying, so it's more just like... You know a sound. uncomprehendable sound yeah, it's like a Of speech human in the background, voice Yeah exactly it? Yeah and because it's all like Reverby and echoey It's um, Yeah it works It works alright
2: I I thought that um, Firstly this is A very good um, Concept album Because each song Ties together Like really well mm-hmm. um, But I also Think that It would be So much better If it got remastered He's done a remaster uh, yeah.
0: Actually He actually has The sad thing about the remaster is, is that it's 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 marginally better, but it is, but yeah, it deserves a new treatment, and I I reckon that he could do it because it's not like. Like Mortis, when he remade and remastered his stuff, he remade the t- the tracks from scratch because obviously he didn't have the source files anymore. He probably used different software. But this album, it, despite sounding really old school, came out in 2018. So oh. I reckon he should do a full remake, remaster. Mm. That'd be fucking great. N- next up, um, I-, I actually find this one as well as perfect for the gaming table because, it again, it's got... It's epic but not overbearing. You know, it's not yeah. like mm-hmm. that, that over the top. But... Yeah, and, uh, another one we, we kind of have to talk about is, is Old Tower... can kind of see where the old school dungeon synth sound has this certain instrumental makeup at this point, do you know what I mean? Like, They all kind of follow the same patterns and I I really like Old Tower um, but uh, I I like them both.
3: That's more foreboding, isn't it? Yeah, it
0: is and Old Tower is also where my main problems with old school dungeon synth come in which is kind of why I put it in here. You see, when Mortis started his solo music, right, he said that he was so arrogant, like that he believed at the time that he was a god, and whatever he imagined was coming true somewhere in a universe of his own creation, and that his body was just a vessel for this god. As such, right, oh my God. all of Mortis's songs are titled and themed after the universe he supposedly rules and created. Now, he himself admitted in his book that he was a fucking idiot and stopped <laughs> believing this nonsense a while ago. And he said that he attributes that that feeling to becoming semi-famous in his teen years, right? So, mm. But here's the trouble. Most people that, that are really into the genre don't know that he had said that because barely anyone i've ever spoken to in this scene has read the mortis book cover to cover and even put out on the bigger of the facebook groups a question asking if anyone had actually read it and most people Mm. said that they had read a tiny bit just the interviews or none at all and so the average Mm. old school dungeon synth fan is unaware that mortis decries this probably mental illness that he used to have and that he hates the old version of himself where he's like this is my universe so let me read you Old, old Tower's uh, sort of blurb from his site right from his Bandcamp page Old Tower always capitalised by the way Old Tower is the creation of a mysterious entity from the Netherlands known as the Spectre who through the vessel of Old Tower creates alluring yet meditative otherworldly lo-fi synth music the transports the listener to a long forgotten age of memories past. It was through the split with Oroduin when the concept of Old Tower and the Shadow Kingdom came into existence. And since then, Old Tower has collected an alluring repertoire through split cassette releases and EPs that culminated with the first Old Tower full length, The Rise of the Spectre. (laughs) Uh,
2: We, um... Fucking, that, that's, they're just one trying to be mortis in that. But we saw um, Old Tower, the uh, the, the, the specialist, <laughs> didn't we? Well, here's
0: the thing. I mean, first of all, you read that Bandcamp thing and you're like, come on, come mate. on mate.
3: The Old Tower. The,
0: I mean, the very person he's trying to copy says that that is a bloody stupid thing to do. And as James mentioned, another fucking thing is that Mortis back in the 90s used to make straight, like really bizarre stage live shows, right? Where he didn't play the instruments, he just marched around stage doing a big ritual. (laughs) And some of his. some of his like early planning notes for his gigs, right? Um, he says something like, I sail in on an ocean of fog. <laughs> uh, and it's yet another thing that he cringes about nowadays, right? But apparently Old Tower didn't get that memo, because despite the fact that yeah. I like his tunes, the, his live show was the
2: worst gig I've ever been to in yeah, my entire yeah. life. Me and H went there, and uh, well, it was a couple was that years that the back one that you send him videos of? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just like, we, we, were, we were at the front purposely, you know, pushed through pushed to get, make through. sure we could get straight to the front. Yeah, because it was like, it was a big deal, I thought. And then, um, yeah, we basically just saw him standing there, sort of clicking his laptop, and then every now and then you see his That's finger it. hovering <laughs> over the fucking smoke <laughs> button. And then it was like really shaky because he was really nervous, and then... Whoosh, it's just like that's it. Yeah, and the sad that's thing it. is, cover it up so no one can see. The fucking smoke. Yeah, yeah. It was next to his keyboard <laughs> to cover up the
0: fact that. Like, I'm not being. I'm not being silly here, right? Me and James produce music. You can tell when somebody's miming. You, you can so easily tell. Yeah, and this he he didn't you didn't even have to employ an eagle eye with this guy because sometimes he would be playing the keyboard right and he's clearly just playing it out of his laptop and he'd sit stand there playing his keyboard and then he'd walk away from it and start gesturing around the stage (laughs) doing the claw hand and nothing would change in the music so that's a dead giveaway that you're not doing anything and and like at certain points right he was pretending to sort of do something with his laptop and so he crouched down so he's got if you imagine somebody peering over a wall but just then Nose and eyes are above it. He was doing that behind a table, and it was like the most unevocative, unimaginative rubbish I've ever seen in my life. All he did was occasionally operate a smoke machine. And you know, we yeah. talked to some guys outside, and we're like, What the fuck was that? We just saw it. it's like, and and one of the guys said, Oh, you know, it's more about the atmosphere. And I'm like, But I can get that at home from listening to the, the good music he makes. Like, mm. my opinion is, if you can't play live and you can't. If you don't have the budget to kind of really do anything um, amazing with your live show, you know, like, for example, Dead Mouse the DJ, does. He yep. puts on a big show. He, he, he himself admits that he just presses play, but he puts on a big show. If you don't have the budget to do that, you don't have the inclination to play live, don't play live. There are plenty of really good musicians. For example, JME, a rapper that I really like, he says that he doesn't waste money on live shows. He just does his shit on YouTube now. And it's like... Just do that. Why is it so important to you to play live that you're just going to set up a laptop and sort of m- dance around the stage doing a claw hand and occasionally going, ah?
2: Yeah, it was true. Because Dungeon Sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we were really excited, you know, because g- the gigs playing this music don't come around often. And we got to see one of the biggest and it was so disappointing and at one point I was bitching about it outside a bit drunk and a bit belligerently and he was sitting there and we only realised after about five minutes oops
2: um, yeah they're staring at us and we're just like oh um, yeah good show (laughs) bye
0: (laughs) but yeah i mean that is basically it for old school dungeon synth and a bit of a rant about that about the live playing unfortunately it's old school stuff is rooted in some of the more silly traditions that the progenitors of the genre have moved on from but if you enjoy it merely for the music some of the best acts are found here basically um in the old school subgenre. but the next one i kind of want to mention is the medieval dungeon synth thing yes and uh I don't know if I like much of this, but uh, one of the most popular ones is a guy called Fife. So yeah, this this is actually a pretty decent album. That's Fife. His album simply called Two. It's this. Uh, I don't know if you if you can grasp this, ladies and gentlemen, but it's the second one he did. So. Uh... Oh wow. I know, clever. But Steady yeah, for on. some for some there. reason, like I can't put my finger on. I don't dig this style too much and I think it too closely I mean I mean loads of people like it. I'm aware I'm an outlier here. But I think it straddles the line of the uncanny valley feeling. Like it almost sounds like a song made with real instruments as opposed to being synth
2: based. Yeah, uh, um, yeah I know what you mean. When well, I said um I've said that although they're, they're very well-rounded songs in the genre portrayed, but for me it lacks some more like percussive sounds and something in the lower frequencies. Yeah. So I think like, if they added something and, like with those elements where there was a bit more low end yeah. in the production and, and stuff, it could have been a much better
3: album. So yeah. hearing right now, that screams to me like, you know, village scene from an RPG video game
0: and I think that's what it's yeah. kind of trying to be and I think yeah. it succeeds, I think it does but the only thing is, yeah, it I does. think but, it just yeah. lacks that slight bit of depth, but I, I like some medieval type stuff and you know, the weird thing is, is, this is from the the guy that makes this is the same guy that makes Thango Dorim um, which is a different subgenre, and it's his other project so this is his side one and it's like oh, okay. I kind of miss the kind of muddiness and the excessive reverb of of, of uh, yeah. old school yeah, yeah. stuff Yeah, but um, it's just not as uh, to my taste. But I do like some of the folky stuff. And uh, the absolute best in the folky genre of Dungeon Synth is easily, easily Morrow Dim. And uh, what's kind of great about this is she used uh, American folk as the basis of her sound rather than Middle Ages England. And Mm -hmm. so for this reason, it has like a really unique feeling to any other act out there. And additionally, she sings in it too, which is really rare.
2: Like I think this really is um, really nice. Like I really enjoyed her vocals on it. Yeah, it's cracking. It, it added to the feeling of the songs, and it did one thing which I enjoy most about music in general, which is um, to either add to or portray like passion or emotions. Yeah. I love that kind of thing in music, and this didn't. It wasn't like oh, you're just like sad or whatever. You could tell she was passionate about the music she was making. And you could you could that's awesome. hear it. That's, what, it that's
3: nice. folklore in sound, isn't it?
0: yeah totally 100% and, and you know like it's as you say there's there's a, a, like an earnestness where she p- really put herself into the music and I think in certain certain aspects that is lacking somewhat in the genre and mm. I find that this kind of it, it, she's kind of an outsider artist because she did things her own way but really really smashed it and it's like kind of you know childlike innocence as well and like while the production is obviously really amateur obviously I think it actually in this case because of the specific sounds she is is it's like it only adds to the charm and to me it really has this sort of innocence like a Daniel Johnston album or something like this but for dungeon synth and yeah. she was really incredible talent and seeing her tunes taken to the next level like would have been fucking amazing if she'd put out like another album and Done even better production on it would have been amazing. But, yeah, you know, I love her voice too, but sadly, unfortunately, she took her own life in 2019, which mm. is only a couple of years ago, which is really fucking sad. And I yeah. know this isn't a serious show, so we're not going to dwell on it, but fucking love the music. Like, absolutely love it.
2: Um, yeah me um, too proper nice but
0: I always find it really really fucking like tragic and I know this isn't really the main point but you know when you discover an artist that you really like and you discover there's a really sad backstory to it and that that, part of what made it special was that she put those feelings into the music but it's also Mm. what eventually led her to do that so it's like uh, it's really depressing but it's a fucking great album and I would recommend it to everyone Mm -hmm. um but yeah, we, uh, it's a belter and uh, worth a listen, but uh, with that, so that we can get back to being a bit silly, we're going to take a little mus- musical break. The foretelling by Morrowdim, cracking tune, and yeah, obviously at this point we were talking about you know this current state of the genre and where, where it is at the moment. You know, is um, you've got these old school ones, you've got these medievaly ones, things like this. And the part four of this is going to be the memes and the controversy, right? <laughs> so so far we've you, you know we've looked at old school, medieval. I mentioned the subgenre of eight bit and things like this, but some people don't really believe that eight bit stuff is real dungeon synth. And that's, like, one of the biggest issues with the scene at the moment. You see, many people have strongly held beliefs that the scene is not a place for jokes or frivolity, that it should be a serious, <laughs> like, 100% of the time, and it should follow certain rules, right? Whereas some people see the musical genre as freeing, loosely defined, and, and where a bit of silliness is not only okay, but part of it. I think I fall into that camp as well, because... Let's be honest, you, you, it's a bloke on a synth in his bedroom, or a woman, and uh, they're making songs about goblins, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I personally, I personally, I like the silliness, and I like to see it embraced, and that's where yeah. acts like Diplodocus come in. Oh, this, yes. This guy invented dino synth. And I bet the scene would have torn him apart if his music wasn't fucking cracking.
3: Oh, it's so good.
0: <laughs> it really is.
2: I said um this is quite adorable to me. Yeah. It is. Um like cuz I really like the interesting use of sound effects in it. Yeah. Um. That actually worked quite well Giving it a rustic feel And he's like
0: The um, way the music is composed as well It really sounds dinosaur-y Which sounds weird to say But it's yeah. so fucking good, Well, that's good, man. what's mad well,
3: Because if someone turned around to me And said, right Do you want to know what dinosaurs sound like musically? And I'd be like, fuck off, mate And then I'd just, just be like Alright, I can't really argue with that Well, put it this way I mean, well, I, n- think I, n-
2: I think it's because there's a bunch of uh, mistakes in the recording But I think that just adds to it being a bit more endearing
0: Yeah, I mean Because that's one of the things I love Is that when you can tell like how it was made Do you know what I mean? Thank <sighs> you. And, you know, yeah. th- I fucking loved it, Plodocus. It's so good. And the sound is just amazing and epic. And, like, if that was fully orchestrated, you could see it being a film soundtrack. You know what I
3: mean? Mate, do you know what that... Do you know what that... The vision I get in my head when I'm listening to that is, like, you know, the, the big meteor is coming down to destroy the dinosaurs. They can <laughs> see it in the sky, and they're all slowly plodding away from it to yeah, try and yeah, survive. Yeah. But they all know they're doomed, and that is exactly what it is. You know,
0: and his album's even called Slow and Heavy, which is that. Yeah, the yeah. name of the album. And I, I think... It's fantastic. What's cool as well, I shared a video with you two guys and we talked about Dungeon Synth being played live and how shitty it is, but fucking Diplodocus, he performs in a dinosaur mask and a leather jacket, which is just the coolest. It's so good. It's so funny. It's and so like, good. I saw him Legend. and he, you, he actually plays live as well, which is fucking great. And... Yeah, I love it. That is good. I, stuff. Yeah, it really is. And I think it fully sums up why the silly aspects of Dungeon Synth should be exaggerated, not denied, because... It's the goofiest idea ever. If somebody said, you know, I'm doing dino music, and but it's just so fucking banging. It's stupid. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but who gives a shit? Like, it sounds good. Yeah. It
3: sounds good. That's the thing. You can't deny it. right? Like, yeah. Whether it's um, come from the etiquette side or not, the sound remains the same if it's good or bad. And that sounds good. Right, exactly. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, and
0: also worth listening to in sort of the meme type genre or the people that really embrace the silliness is a uh, forklift operator. <laughs> belter of an album and it's basically yeah. inspired by the shenmue games because a big part of shenmue was you got a job as a forklift operator and so he's it's, he made an album called <laughs> warehouse number one and it's so good it's like asian
2: influenced dungeon synth and it's fucking great mm-hmm. you see i'd i'd say that this is this isn't necessarily dungeon synth but i can see why it's categorized in that genre yes i say it's kind of edges on the uh, it's more more synth wavy than Dungeon Synth yeah it, mm. is, it is the essence of the Japanese and Asian themes is captured exceedingly well in the album and you've got yeah, to love the,
0: the fucking cover as well because so many covers yeah. <laughs> of, of Dungeon Synth it'll be like a scene of a forest with a witch in it or whatever but his is just a beautifully rendered forest with a forklift sitting in it a beam of yes. light shining down <laughs> it upon it so <laughs> it's, like, it's so ah, good man and you know, um, the, the the actual physical version of the album actually has like, you know, like if you buy a tool and it's got like a uh, a little band around with safety messages on it, it's got that on it, like yeah, yeah. forklift nice. safety stuff. Fucking great. Very yeah. good. But you see, Very good. one of the major problems is that so many arguments are started because of projects with an odd theme. So on the Facebook it doesn't matter if it sounds a certain way. If I released an album that sounded exactly like Mortis, but I put a Moomin on the front cover, people would go fucking mental. <laughs> I mean, that is a bad example, because for some reason, the Dungeon Synth community love Moomins, but like, let's say I made Muppet <laughs> Synth or something. No, yeah. in, fact, in fact, I made a fucking um, uh, Dungeon Synth project, right? as a, jo- a complete joke, obviously, where I uh, did EastEnders-based yeah. Dungeon Synth, and it got me banned from the group. But, but how is EastEnders different from something about a forklift? I just I don't know. Where's the Riot. line?
2: But but your EastEnders track <laughs> was yeah, fucking really wicked, good. man. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to it all the way through <laughs> it was this morning.
0: Oh, it was you put of... a lot of
2: effort into that. I'm not gonna lie.
0: And then um, I, I even did the thing with the voice clips over the music. But <laughs> I put in yeah. the I became a total slag. <laughs> and then you get it, it, like bam. <laughs> No, some somehow though some of these projects make it through if they're good enough like uh, mortis and forklift operator but then some of them cause so much uh, drama and for example when a project when a project called grandma's cottage came out with a new <laughs> genre of that, that he called comfy synth people threatened a boycott of the main groups oh, and a mass exodus if talking about comfy synth continued <laughs> The biggest, the biggest controversy probably comes from the people who are trying to meme your ass. You know, Diplodocus Grandma's Cottage, although a bit cringe, were created with like, you know, a bit of, a bit of sincerity. But yep. people just hate when somebody is like, they're getting in there and they're not taking it a hundred percent seriously. seriously. And you know, the yeah. the yeah. Mortis, you well, know, the picture of him pointing right there. <laughs> Oh, no, she yeah. didn't. <laughs> right. I, I saw one guy post. He was like, he posted that picture, and he's like, look, I get it. It's funny. It's a weird picture. But can we just bow down for a minute and accept that this guy's a god of our genre? I'm like, shut up, mate. Listen to yourself. No wonder you're single and making music <laughs> you're by yourself in a basement. Loser. <laughs> trying to suck ass. It, like is, it is the biggest ass-sucking, isn't it? I yeah, hate it.
2: Oh yeah. You know fucking Grandma's Cottage, right? While the genre album <laughs> artist name were meant to be a joke to the scene, Mm-hmm. they were remarkably well-executed songs and really did itself justice. So I think that's probably why it stuck around and sparked the Marmite controversy over I hate, synth. I
0: hate, I hate the term comfy synth. It makes so me cringe. I. Yep. But it's but it's almost like ASMR and music form. It's quite nice, but yeah, I hate it. But you yeah. know, yeah, some outsiders, you know, they they see these types of thing as ammo. Like people outside of the scene will use it to mock the scene. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, mock can't away. I just call uh... it dark synth
3: and light synth?
0: <laughs> yeah, something exactly something like that. The biggest problem is the Im- is the images that people are trying. And when they take it seriously, I think that actually does a disservice to the genre because at this point people will take the piss out of you and say they're taking it seriously but if they weren't there's nothing to take the piss out of do you know what i mean yeah, just yeah, make yeah. good tunes but yeah and uh, you know so but there are some people that are making projects to actively mock the scene and that's when you get things like Groll the goblin <laughs> <laughs> about four seconds of that um. <laughs> now the thing about Grohl the Goblin is that his music was obviously made in about five minutes and all of his covers are just Microsoft Paint art and this was meant to mock the scene for the inherently goofy things in it like the, the poorly drawn covers, the, the um, low effort music and guess what The scene fucking lapped up, Grohl the Goblin. They didn't realise that it was a joke at their expense. And tons of people bought his shit. He released tapes, ended up being able to fund professional artwork, and made a good buck off of that rubbish. So, I think there's a big problem. There is a big problem when you can't tell if something is a joke. And this is going to bring us actually to the probably the biggest second biggest controversy ever in the scene part five we're going to talk about castronata prototype really now here's the thing about castronata prototype is that all of their music and any trace of their existence has been deleted off the planet um but so i can't show you their music i just i can't right But these guys essentially to mock the scene, and they 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 made a a project a project called Castrenata Prototype, wherein they made songs that uh, at most were two minutes long, at the least sometimes twenty seconds, and they had really hastily drawn artwork, and they came up with this whole backstory about how their rare demo got lost in a studio fire, and now it's finally resurfaced on Bandcamp. Oh God, (laughs) I remember.
2: (laughs) When this happened,
0: yeah, and it was crazy. I because remember when this was going. There, there's about six thousand members of the community. Half of them realised it was a joke and decried them immediately, and half of them thought it was sincere and that it was cracking music. And it was terrible. I mean, that is um, sort of a subjective thing, but it was really bad. It was often just like yeah. they a drone, and then they just noodle on their keyboard over the top of it. And the funny thing about these guys as well is that they they made this and it caused this controversy because it was people arguing over whether or not what they were trying to do was legit. And they ended up, you know, selling tapes and nobody got their tapes. So what they were doing is they were stealing money off people, (sighs) but they'd get some of their mates to take pictures with the one tape they had and say, oh, this arrived today. Brilliant. So, So
3: pleased. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they were scamming people out of money and the scam even went further where i was heavily involved and with the admin of the group in locating and um banning other Facebook profiles because they can constantly get banned, remake new Facebook profiles, oh, and remake... now I
3: remember this. Yes.
0: Yes. And they would they would make... They were at the point where they were able to fart out a project, an album, a day, and were releasing new projects saying we're from South Africa, we're from Norway, we're from Japan, all of this stuff. It got to the point where every day for about four or five months, there were new projects coming up from these guys. And, you know, the funny thing about all of this was that eventually... They they did an interview, and we had this rivalry to the point where I was telling people not to buy their shit, not to spend money on the tapes they weren't going to send. They started hating me, and I, t- I said their music was pure piss, and they put it on the cover of their next hastily made album, a, f- a quote from me, <laughs> made another album taking the piss out of one of my projects at the time, and then continued to make all this music, and They there was this sort of groundbreaking interview with one of the band camp pages where they said they were going to come clean with everything, and they didn't. They just built more on top of the lies, even going so far as to say like there was stuff that I proved uh, that I found that proved that the album wasn't made in 1995 when they said it was. For example, on the cover picture, one of them was using a synth that wasn't invented until 2010. So shit like this anyway they did this interview and just doubled down on it and and more and more just said you know like oh yeah but no this and gave this excuses for this that and the other and they said you know that actually you know the fire did happen but the cover was was made much later because they never got round to it back in 1995 (laughs) (laughs) fuck off so in the Mm. end the sales of their music once people started to realise that these guys were charlatans weren't sending out the stuff they should have been and were making hastily made rubbish music they finally did an interview where they came clean about everything, absolutely everything. And I'd been battling with them for months, trying to get all of their accounts banned, things like this. Ended up with them doing an interview where they were honest and they said they were sorry and that they were trolling people and they were going to try harder and make genuinely good music. I've got to be honest, I, 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 when you win in a situation like that, it's it's it felt fucking good to have finally made them come clean. But Yeah. I should, uh, and I was not a good winner. I'll tell you this this now, right? Because I remember seeing the post and gloating on it. And I was like, I have won. You will kiss my shoes, you <laughs> piece of shit. And like all of this. I really went mental. Oh, yes. And loads of people were like, God, he's being really immature here. And I'm like, I don't care, man. I'm, I'm going to gloat the fuck out of this situation because <laughs> cause I won.
2: Right? Was, that was a lot of time and effort that, that had to be put in because they were... Um, quite honestly some of, one of, some of the best trolls that have ever lived on that uh, dungeon scene oh, totally man um, and you know because they were just yeah. where do they, they come from well you to, know. to fool so many
3: people did you ever find out where they actually came from no no unfortunately
0: mm. not Um, uh, the thing is is that I, I never did find that out and then eventually after a while when their new stuff wasn't working out they kind of scrubbed all their facebook profiles scrubbed all of their music off the internet and I have a theory, two, two theories actually, that, that I know they're still out there in the scene making shitty music. And there are two things that kind of fit the bill as to what they used to do, because they had a certain style of artwork and a certain sound that you could recognize as them. And the Facebook profiles that posted their stuff, you could easily tell it was them because they never showed their face, often used really gory imagery, things like this. Mm-hmm. And... Um, currently there's two there's one called Dungeon Troll which could easily be them just by just by virtue of the name and if yeah. you listen to how simple the music is they but they've put a bit more effort into the covers of their album so I don't know the other one is I think they might be going under the moniker of High Mage Productions which is mm. a fake band fake label and I think it, it hosts about 9 or 10 different projects and I think they all belong to the Castronato prototype guys Mm -hmm. because they basically release four demos on there and then they release stuff like a hot dog cart. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so High Mage Productions, I'm fairly certain it's them because all of the projects are kind of similar and yeah, the artwork is similar. And, uh, yeah, so they released this really horrible thing. It's a hot dog cart. It's one of the worst pieces of music ever made. It's literally, all it is, is somebody playing a keyboard demo, and then they've got a sampler off to the side, and they're going, hot dog, hot hot dog. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'll put God. I'll put a clip in it, of it here but it's 15 minutes long and it could have been made I'll in less time it. than it takes to listen to the album. No. See the thing is yeah and, and that the reason it's worth talking about the Castronata thing after so such a long time is because it really demonstrates how easy it is to fool people just by using imagery that they're used to and making crap music, and I think that's a, one of the biggest problems with the genre in general. Is you can't tell sometimes when something is shit um, uh, or, or or a meme, or that yep. it's just somebody um, that isn't very good at music trying their best. Do you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And then um, that brings me neatly onto a couple of things as well as the. There's a lot of um, really dodgy record labels out there because it's mainly mainly small bedroom outfit record labels, and um, yeah, I got an email recently actually from for one of my uh, projects that was uh, from a, a there a, a label called Wolf Rune Walks, and to get your tape, you have to just PayPal the money and email them which one you like, and uh, they the the offer they gave me to start putting out my music was they said. Um, yeah, well, what we do is we'll start putting out your cassette and we will send you um, high quality printed J cards with which to make your own cassette. So the, the paper part of the cassette. I'm like, so you take my music, make money off it and send me paper. Ooh. I was like, I'm all right,
3: mate. I'm all right. I'm all right. Thanks.
0: Yeah. And then the other, you know, biggest controversy was that the guy running the main group, a guy called Canrith Knox, was also doing sort of the same thing the Castronaut guys would do. He'd sign people to his label and then not send them any royalties or any money and make a shitload of cash off of loads of other
3: people's shit. And it was like... I can't believe all this shadyness <laughs> is going on in this little subgenre of music. It's crazy. In
0: a community that's only about 6,000 people, yeah. it's like, it's the probably the nichest genre yeah. on the planet. And there's so much drama. There's so much... Oh, and mate. What was great, though, is Canrith Knox... It's childish, Knox, mate. The guy, It's very childish, but the guy who was scamming people, um, Canrith Knox, uh, he had a um, a record label called Hollow Myths. And um, what was really funny is um, he he said to me once, I made a meme of him, and he was like, can you take that down, please? I just... I don't want to be a meme. And he has become the biggest meme now. And people have made sort of like a bubblehead image of him where he's throwing some toys out of a pram and he's got chocolate <laughs> oh, around his mouth. Yes! <laughs> But yeah, it's so Perfect. funny, man. And and do you know what? The, the genre, for the people that, that are actually properly into it, they, they meme pretty hard. And it's uh, the, there's a group called Dungeon Synth posting, and it's got the Dr. Pepper logo, but it says Dungeon uh. Synth instead, and people meme really hard. And there's some fucking yeah, funny weird. memes.
2: I don't know. Where was it birthed? Not sh- because the, the, there's this really weird cult thing with the Dungeon Synth posting yeah. lot, where there's this obsession with Doctor Pepper.
0: I don't know. I don't know why it is. And like somebody,
2: I think someone just spotted it, it. Like maybe saw it, a can it, of
3: Doctor Pepper in a picture. Well, watch. the whole thing it wasn't like Doctor Pepper's whole like advertising campaign was about it being a bit different, but. It Special. might be
0: something like that, I've no idea. But yeah, basically now. there's a lot of childish drama and yeah, I contributed to it because I gloated over the Castro Art guys. <laughs> but I've got I've got to be honest, like it is crazy how often a drama will spark up for something so innocent as somebody making Grandma's Cottage. Do you know what I mean?
1: People take this way <laughs> yeah. too
0: seriously. So, I mean, that's basically it. As we make this episode, currently the yearly Dungeon Synth Festival, Northeast Dungeon Siege, is happening, uh, an online (laughs) event. And where we we stand today is kind of, yeah, this is kind of the picture that we're at. It's like old school stuff that sounds like Mortis gets really lifted up. People like medieval shit. People argue over shit. And it is crazy how much controversy there can be about the smallest things. And for the final part here, we're going to kind of discuss the genre. And just to do a bit of a wrap up here, I wanted to kind of talk about where all of this was leading because Mortis, um, as I mentioned, you know, for this whole career, he's alluded to the fact that his songs all take place in a world of his own imagination. And um, people th- tend to picture things in their mind as to what it's going to be like, and they think it's going to be amazing. And Mortis released a book containing all the details about his world, and you know people say that *Eye of Argon* is the worst fantasy book ever published, (laughs) but I'm fairly certain, I'm fairly certain Mortis's book is. But you need the context to be able to to understand how bad this fucking thing is, because this is like early '90s, so it's like you know 20 years of build up for us to finally see what this guy what his world actually was works. like and it was yeah. Just, yeah and a setting book that you can use in an RPG and it is fucking terrible man <laughs> that's <is> what <laughs> our next episode is going to be about we're going to talk about the worst fantasy book ever published and my god it falls to depths you would never imagine it could get that bad you know <laughs> yes. it is really quite a good read and the sad fact about all of this is that I bought it, read it cover to cover, and then immediately sold it. And to, f- to do the fucking review next next episode, I had to buy it again. Oh, so it's not no. only the worst, but I've bought it twice. Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> Hardcore fan, mate. Hardcore.
0: Yeah, and to just recap our recommendations, well, my recommendations, just, uh, yeah, Morrow Dim is pretty much the best one. Diplodocus, Thangodorum, yep. all of those guys, really, really fucking good shit. But yeah, let's talk about quickly our feelings and what we think the genre needs, you know, what we like, what we don't like. Um, uh, And I'll start with, I'll start and uh, just say that as much as I love the genre and I love it for background music, I also love the sort of underground muddiness of it, you know what I mean? Mm, How weird it is. Um, But I think that what it really needs is a big fat dose of less elitism, less gatekeeping, less rules, more fun. Open that gate. Yes, exactly. I I love so much about the genre that it's it's actually very, very fun to make. It's fun to listen to and the community can be amazing. I mean, for example, I started a uh, group uh, of four UK musicians and... I've got to tell you, some of the best acts out there at the moment come from the UK and some of the biggest ones too. and I kind of started the group and we made a compilation of all of our music together and it was fucking great like and the mm. UK scene is amazing. Funny
2: thing was it started off as a joke didn't it but then it actually birthed into a good, quite great a yeah. good like collection of mm. people.
0: Yeah because it was kind of funny because we were trying to think of a funny name for our gr- well, not like a cool name for our group and at the time it was just called Great Britain Dungeon Synth and then we just thought <laughs> GBDS and so we called it Gibdus. Gibdus, yeah. I don't yeah, know if anyone is lame. actually... And it was funny as well, because some of the northern guys in the, the Gibdus chat, they said that they wanted to start a... Uh, I think it was a northwestern one called Noobdus. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I yeah, mean, I mean... I, 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 The thing is, the community has this really great, like, let's all pitch in together, share ideas type thing. But then there's the elitists that have been in there since the beginning who really hate the new lot and really hate people not taking it too seriously. And that's what it really needs to carry on. And if I can say one thing as well that is not exactly... This is kind of controversial, is that I would love it if the production was better... And if, uh, don't take my opinion for it, if you all like that old production, that's fine. I do too. But the only thing is, is that Mortis has moved on, and probably the other biggest artist in the scene, a guy called Irang, has moved on, and they've started doing. Uh, more industrial-type production and more production where they, they have cleaner sounds but epic orchestral sounds. And it's served the music really well. Like Mortis's album, the uh, Rebellious Spirit one, the probably his best yeah. album, he remade the whole thing from scratch with better production and it's the version that he plays when he plays live and it's better for it. It's a much better thing f- versions of the songs. And I think if mm. people learnt to produce a bit better... It would be nice, but currently the way it stands, if I sat down and produced my music in a way that everything was audible and it wasn't just muddied together, people wouldn't buy it. They just wouldn't, and that's that kind of annoys me. Whereas what I'm doing at the moment, where I purposely make it sound a bit shit, I I've seen a lot of success with it. And <laughs> m- m- my current my current project is a secret, and I'm not going to tell anyone who it is. But the only thing is. Is that I've done better than ever, and I've tried... I, I literally do nothing with the production. It's like, first first go, no mixing, there, done, done,
2: done, <laughs> gritty. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's like, it's nice... For the uh, proper novices who are doing it, it's a really good genre to get into, because your music can be appreciated. But, like Harrison's saying, I really do think there should be at least you know there should be an evolution to your music mm-hmm. if you're going to start off and do that then it should any uh, out proce- uh proceeding album that comes out should have better production better mixing and stuff like that and you should be able to hear that because hopefully you're learning from what's going on if you're a novice in in this world and you're doing like random music and people are enjoying it then you ultimately need to get better at. It. Mm, I
1: agree,
0: and that, and you know that's part of the reason. Like Mortis, he left the scene for a while because he felt, and so did Irang. Actually, and both of them felt as if, and they said in interviews, they felt as if the genre had stagnated because nobody wants to evolve beyond yeah. the type of production they were using thirty years ago. Right. And it's kind of is that is kind of sad, but then. If you're Mortis, you can do whatever you like, and people will lick your ass. So he has. He's he's updated yeah. the genre, but nobody's going in that same direction. I, I I made a tune that was kind of similar, but it's like, I just didn't release it because I know nobody's going to give a shit unless yeah. it sounds like it was recorded at the end of a hallway on a headset mic. But the annoying know?
3: thing is though is like with our you know with our listening homework that we was doing to go through some of them that um that Mortis smell of rain one <laughs> that's got the disco funk dungeon metal. It's cracking.
0: It's such a good album, and you know <laughs> yeah. that. It, I remember, like when I heard that, I was like, "Wow, this like this really can be fucking amazing." If if we if we took more innovations you know but it's like yeah it's kind of stuck like but he gets to do what, why is he allowed to make disco funk dungeon metal when i'm yeah, not okay exactly
2: yeah <laughs> yeah that that album was well fun it gave me uh, some bowie and ramstein mm, vibes totally
0: man totally um but yeah i mean that that's basically my opinions on it at the moment i really like the genre and i really like to listen to it as background music which i know is kind of a bad thing to say but but I do you know and I also think one main, main main, thing one of my gripes with it is that it's quite easy to listen to the genre and think that it doesn't necessarily need talent to produce something when reality you listen to all the stuff we've listened to today the mm. best ones are the ones where they're, they're good competi- com- composition good musicality to them where they've thought about the composition of it and the worst ones we've listened to are you know where they haven't thought about it a bit and they've put no effort in and it does take effort it just doesn't necessarily take effort on the production side to get stuff people are going to like but you still have to make good tunes that's that's what i think what we can take from this
1: mm.
3: yeah
0: but yeah well how about you guys so do you, do you do you think you'll continue listening to the genre after this
3: episode yeah, I mean, I like the stuff. It's uh it's 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 perfect for, you know, it goes hand in hand with role-playing games, especially, you know, mm-hmm. any type of role-playing game really that you're playing, you can you can use some some of this stuff for it. I think it's it's made for it from, what I've, from mm. what I've learned today i think that you're absolutely right you've got the people that want to keep it in the past and you've got people that want to push it forward i think everybody should work together you know if you want to keep it old school label it as that you know and then everybody mm-hmm. knows that it's used with the old methods it's going to sound a certain way and people won't expect surprises but then also embrace new stuff make it different because the more diverse the music is as well the more you can apply it to different Games, if it is your background music thing, you know,
0: and it does, it does actually go hand in hand with RPGs. And there's a lot of really great projects out there who've made music specifically for RPGs. And one, and it's a Kraken name, just called the Synth Bard. Oh, nice. Um, he Very good, he's, he he make, he makes shit like this, and he made um uh an album called I think it might have just been Ravenloft, you know, but yeah, he made a whole album
2: uh where he's oh made, wasn't it called the unofficial Soundtrack for Ravenloft? That's it. That's right. That's yeah. The one
0: and it's uh, yeah, yeah ev- and it's, fucking tidy, Ooh, mate. it's really good and spot on like the yeah. p- p- the way it's made and mm-hmm. he um, yeah so he's got a different song for every room in the original Ravenloft Adventure which is That's just really cool. cool I mean really I can't cool. see myself actually flipping through tracks at a game but it's it's the atmosphere of it is spot on yeah so uh, I guess we're done with the main subject but we're going to do uh, a um, I think we haven't done in about oh, three years we're going to do Song Fight um, let's get into that now <laughs> So I'm not sure what we're trying to prove with this um, edition of Song Fight, and for you, for those that don't know, um, Song Fight is where we'll often make a song on a specific subject. Uh, me and James and Nick yes, will have yes. to pick his favourite. Yeah. Um, in this particular case, because we, we 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 do want the songs to be funny, and I thought the only way we could possibly make uh, Dungeon Synth Song Off funny was that instead of having like a couple of weeks to produce a song you would have 20 minutes and that included <laughs> downloading any samples or anything like this <laughs> um so i will um who wants to go first actually nick you
3: pick who wants to go first uh i would like to hear james's first yeah so would i actually.
0: I think you've really nailed the sound of it. I'm sorry, I'm going to listen to the end, but I think you've actually like got it spot on. I'm really gutted man cuz I I thought really I thought I was going to de- I thought I was definitely going to win this one cuz I was like I think I've nailed the sound but you pretty much did as well
3: but you even bought a bit of memory in as well. So you started. The thing is, it was almost like a journey because you started off with like classic, or what I would imagine would be, you know, deemed as classic, <laughs> yeah, yeah. classic classic dungeon synth And then like you know, it got it got higher. There was a cheeky little bit of drum in there, and then. Uh, <laughs> See, I, I I was
0: thinking of going in a similar direction, right, and just sort of disguising another song. There is a little bit of memory to mine as well, but good, not quite as good as James's. <laughs>
3: That can't start similarly yet. Yeah. Close your eyes, get a full experience. <laughs>
0: put a lot of effects yes. on the voice clip that I used but if you can't tell that was Boris Johnson's most re- recent coronavirus update oh my god it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just I just pitched it down and then put that in there but I was like you know I think I'm in a different route to you James because you you were obviously playing yours on a keyboard whereas I just quickly made a pattern and made it repeat so I was like i can get a minute and a half out of this <laughs> same fucking melody put a bit of Bojo in there
3: very good uh, I, mate
0: I've got to be honest. I think there's a clear winner
3: here. Uh, yeah, I mean it's they're, the they're mic, both they're both really good, and I like that you've both got the feel of like you know you had to get a bit of that talking in in Harrison's one, and obviously the uh, and the, sound, the the intro sounds are similar with the kind of ominous doom. But I gotta say, yeah, yeah,
2: I love it. Yeah, we both started with the strings. Very I mean, good. Like
3: it's just like oh, dungeon simp. Put putting final countdown in it. Oh, I mean that was my favourite song that's growing quite, up. That's,
2: yeah, <laughs> I, I agree, man. That was
0: fucking great. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> well man. done, guys! well done. Well, that was song fight. Let's do some. Uh, let's do some electro letters. Your your correspondence, shall we? Please. <laughs> We got one email today that comes in from Pete Malloy Jones. Just we're just reading one from the inbox here. Um it's a long one, so strap in, put on some mm-hmm. mortis, um <laughs> put in some strap on <laughs> some Shrek synth. Um he says, Hi guys, uh great episode on the one GM book to own and fully endorse those mentioned, especially ICRPG, but two others I always refer back to, even though not using their systems, are Numenera for advice on crafting stories how to use GM intrusions not to punish players but to move the story on when the rules don't cover something giving players narrative to control uh, giving players narrative control with prompting by the GM watching pacing how to add description to the game how to prep for a session how to handle players all good advice I believe Cipher system
3: uses a similar GM section that's right isn't it Nick? Yeah, mate, it's good. And do you know what? When we was doing that episode, I did want to mention Cypher, but I just felt like I haven't given it enough hands-on time to be able to like, herald it as a must-have. But it's nearly there. I mean, our, our online playing of it, we all really enjoyed it, and I think it's going to be even more fun when we can do it around the table. So I would agree with Agreed. people on that one, definitely.
0: Yeah, I just right. think we need a bit more time with it to cement yes, it. we but do. I'm exactly. fairly
3: certain from the play that we've had
0: with it that it is. Yeah, it definitely is one well worth owning because... Mm-hmm. What I liked about it was that it felt collaborative without having too many stupid mechanics to it being collaborative. Yes, Do you know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Pete Malloy he mentions that his second uh, book that he wants to recommend is uh, Dungeon World, and he says again emphasis on describing what the players see and hear, having agenda and principles in a game, and writing them down to remind you. They fit all games. Agenda. Portray a fantastic world. Fill the characters' lives with adventure. Play to find out what happens. And the Mm. principles of it are draw maps, leave blanks, address the characters, not the players, embrace the fantastic, give every monster life, name every person, ask Mm -hmm. questions and use the answers, be a fan of the characters, think dangerous, begin and end with the fiction, think off-screen too. Ooh. And he says, you can add or remove agendas and principles to fit your game tone and theme. Did I mention Dungeon World has a free online SRD? And that comes from Pete Jones. Ooh. Yeah, that sounds great. I, those types of... I always love when you have those types of principles. Because, to be perfectly honest, like, Dungeon World doesn't appeal to me that much as, like, the other, like, Play by Power by the Apocalypse games. Because... To me, when I'm playing fantasy stuff, I like it to be somewhat focused on slashing and killing monsters. I know that's just not an unpopular opinion nowadays, but that's just me. Um, and then the characters kind of have their separate downtime and dungeon world is like about the journey about you know the characters relationships and that's great but it's probably more something that i'd like to play maybe monster of the weekend or something like that you Mm -hmm. know
3: yeah definitely yeah i mean the whole
0: thing of like also being a fan of the characters i just think is is probably one of the best bits of advice you could probably have you know because it's like Mm -hmm it's so it's so important the the second you start going on about your own story you know it's like yeah, yeah, it, 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 <laughs> yeah. at that point you're just why why have the characters be there
3: just write a book yeah exactly it, that's exactly it
0: sounds good and i, I really really appreciate the recommendation and also another thing you know that was on there was the uh him talking about make a map leave blanks
3: yes i mean absolutely it, that's a really good idea saves, i think off screen too that's a good one
0: yeah, I, I I like I like both of those a lot because it's kind of like that's also the DCC way of doing things. Like to me, playing a good DCC game is almost having the whole map blank except for the big yeah, players know. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. um, they say you know you play people that have never been t- more than twenty miles away from their their hometown, and and I even did it in the you know the Cyber Sport Classics campaign. All we really had was the building that you guys worked in and it got fleshed out as you learn of more locations and it saves so that's much it, exactly. time and also makes it so it's much like easier it's like Fog of
3: War in computer games isn't it
0: yeah exactly it's like Fog of yeah. RPG <laughs> I don't even know what <laughs> yeah, i that's just that's, that's saying that out of my mouth but um, yeah <laughs> yeah and what happens off screen is really fucking important it's like the simplest way to make a world feel living is to, for you to get back and things have changed do you know what I mean Absolutely, yep. Yeah, um, but yeah, good good recommendation, good advice, and that is the one electro mm-hmm. letter we got in this time.
2: Cheers, Malloy. I think Cheers, Malloy.
0: what we might do um, from now on is kind of have the electro letters as a thing that we only do if we've got emails in the bag, so if you kind of, if you want to send in some communication and get us to read your question and answer it, then just send it to 3 grpgpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm, yeah. Let's do an outro, shall we? Do it. We? Well, I think a lot of people
3: like to use the pan flute setting. <laughs> Pan flutes, um, a, a lot of people like pan flutes. Uh, I think it's because um, it's it's like medieval, like flute medieval, like it's like dark.
0: like look, look. That's, uh, that, You see, that's some really dark music. Yeah, we're hearing the outro. How do you like it? How do you like the new, do you like what i done with yeah. the place? Do you like the cobwebs? I like what oh, done the place.
3: Nice.
2: Yeah. It's nice, dark. I like the curtains, Three the reed Yeah, oh, yeah, Sorry. good ambiance. Anyway, if you want to contact
0: be on, be on. us, 3T. <laughs> Good 3trpgpod at gmail.com. Also, like us on Facebook, that's where we do most of our communications. And also, don't forget to check out the acts we mentioned today in the Dungeon Synth community. Dungeon Hail, yeah,
2: Hail, greeting, Hail, greeting.
0: and thank you for listening. And I have been
3: f- f- Forgotten Moon, and I have been Satanic Countess. And, and I have been. I like the oh, pause where you guys are trying to scroll up to get back to the
0: intro here. <laughs> <laughs> and I have
2: been. Bestial Ritual. Nice.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember that D20s are cool, but Dungeon Synth really is not. But I still like it. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Bye.